Welcome to the Lakeside Baptist Church Podcast. We pray you are blessed as you hear the Word of God today. For more information regarding Lakeside Baptist Church, please visit lakeside.asn.au. On staff here, and it has been uh, quite a time, hasn't it, over the last year or so? Uh, been a bit of a journey, uh, and as we've come into this next season, we're really excited. It's going to be great having Dan on board, and we're really looking forward to it. Uh, and as we kind of come to the end of this transition series, uh, we felt it would be a really good idea uh, to to do our final series before Dan comes, looking at all things new. Uh, And so we've been looking at, so Peter started us off looking at a a new heart for God. Uh, We looked at a new heart for church and neighbours. And as we come to the end of that, we're going to be looking at a new heart for people. And so uh, Peter killed it last week. And so most of what I'm saying is probably just me recycled stuff from him. Uh, But we're looking forward to it. It's going to be great. Really looking forward to finishing off this series uh, today. Uh, Before we get into it, uh, so as we look at uh, a new heart for people and, and loving people. Uh, the most loved person in the school playground uh, was, of course, the fastest person in the school playground. Uh, and so I remember uh, in year one, uh, lining up on the wall of our basketball court that was like the gravel one with the really slippery rocks, uh, and versing everyone else to see who was the top dog uh, in the school class. And so we'd race each other. Uh, if you, you know, like trying to like beat your friends, uh, trying to work on new tactics, like pushing them over on the way through and all those kinds different things to try and prove that you were one of the faster people in the playground so that people would love and respect you. Uh, unfortunately, I was not one of the faster people in the playground. Uh, I was quite slow and goofy uh, and all those different things. And so I probably wasn't so much loved and respected for my speed and strength uh, and all those different things. But my younger brother, so I have one brother, he's a year younger than me, uh, he was he was quick, he was fast, he was slick. Uh, he knew how to talk to the girls in year one, which is really impressive. Uh, he, he was great, like, he was good at everything. Uh, he, was, he, was, he was faster than me, which was really embarrassing. Like having a little brother that's like more like stronger and faster than you was kind of embarrassing. Uh, but he was, he was well loved uh, by everyone. By the time I got to year 12, uh, there was people in my class that didn't know who I was, but knew who he was. Um, that's what we're talking about, it was pretty rough. Uh, and, and so over that time, uh, as my brother uh, was once again, reluctantly faster than me in the sense like he wasn't even trying which made it even worse uh, as, as he I started to build up a little bit of resentment towards him uh, I had this little brother who everyone loved uh, and was faster and better and everyone liked him and I started to get uh, quite bitter over those times as I wrestled uh, with that identity crisis and so we're talking about Cain and Abel today um, which good transition right um, we're going to be talking about Cain and Abel today we let the youth pastor preach um, we're going to be talking about Cain and Abel speaking of a younger brother that we have resentment towards um, so we're going to be in Genesis chapter 4 um, and so if you have your Bible with you you can find that uh, we're going to be starting at the second half of verse 2 uh, and so if you can read along with me uh, Genesis chapter 4 uh, second half of verse 2 you can also follow along on the screen Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favour on Abel and of his offering, but on Cain and his offering he did not look with favour. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? 
If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. Had that idea once. Uh, While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? The Lord said, what have you done? Listen, you were under a curse and driven from the ground, which uh, opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. Uh, and as we, as we read uh, Genesis 4, there's a couple things that I kind of want to touch on. So uh, first of all, if, if we went back a chapter to Genesis chapter 3, we have Adam and Eve who, who they've eaten the fruit in the garden um, and they've broken their relationship with God. And because they've broken their relationship with God, they've been cast out of the garden. Uh, and what happens here in Genesis chapter 4, uh, yes, there are some, some ways and they've continued to rebel against God, but also uh, Cain has broken his relationship with his brother. And because he has broken that relationship, he has been cast out from people. And so what's happening there is, so we, in, in Genesis chapter 3, we have a broken relationship with God. We see the effects of the broken relationship with God. And as we continue to, to read through the Bible, we, we see how that broken relationship continues to unfold. And, and as that relationship, that broken relationship, continues to unfold and get worse, we also see God's plan to restore uh, his relationship with people. And as we look at Genesis chapter 4, uh, we see humanity breaks its relationship with itself. It is cast out, so the relationship's broken. It continues to be broken. But also, we see God's plan throughout the Bible to restore not only relationship to himself, but relationship to each other. And so we see the effects of Genesis 4 kind of continue to unfold. So uh, if we get to the story of Noah, at the end of the story of Noah, so kind of everything starts back to square one, and one of the first things that happen uh, is that Noah and his son Ham uh, have a broken relationship, and we, so we see how those impacts continue to kind of spread people away from each other and break relationships, uh, and people are scattered further over across the earth. When you see the story uh, of Sarah and Hagar, they have a broken relationship as well, and then Hagar then is, is cast out and sent away, and the relationship is broken. When we, when we see the story uh, of Jacob and Esau, what happens as well? There's a broken relationship between people, uh, and Esau is sent away, he goes his own way, and Jacob uh, goes his And so not only uh, do we see in the story of the Bible uh, one of broken relationship with God and seeing the effects of that, but we also see the story of a broken relationship between humanity. We see a broken relationship with humanity. Uh, and one of the kind of the key turning points that we see uh, is in the story uh, of Joseph, where, where Joseph, uh, he is wronged by, by his brothers, just in the same way that many other instances have happened. Uh, but also, uh, as he is cast out, Joseph does something different. 
rather than his brothers being cast away and rather than ending up kind of being these rival tribes just like Jacob and Esau, uh, just like Abraham and Lot, uh, just like uh, Hagar uh, with with Ishmael and Isaac. Uh, Instead, Joseph restores the relationship with his brothers. Instead of leaving it at that separation and brokenness, Joseph actually restores his relationship with his brothers. When we get to the end of the story of Joseph, uh, he invites them back in and protects them and looks after them. He fixes the relationship. Um, and as we continue throughout the Bible, uh, we, we get to the story uh, in Exodus. We're preaching on the whole Bible today, by the way. Uh, we, we get to the story of Exodus, and what happens? So God gives the law uh, to his people. And so as we, as we receive uh, the law, uh, we, we are receiving God's heart for his people. So what would happen in ancient times, uh, the laws that, that a God would kind of give for their people to follow uh, would be rules that would appease that God, the things that that God cared about. And normally they wouldn't include uh, things that were very civil and about fixing relationships. Like gods weren't concerned about how we got along. They were concerned uh, with things like child sacrifice. We don't do that here. Um, we, we, there's things like, you know, there's other things that we're concerned about. And so uh, gods would say, you've got to sacrifice this, you've got to give me this, you, these are all different things. They weren't concerned with these civil issues. But when God gives his law and when God shares his heart, there's two major themes that we have. We have love God and we have love each other. Those are the two kind of themes that we see come out. Love God, love each other. That is God's heart for his people. And that is God's law that he gives to us because that is what God values and what God cares about. See, God is concerned with the restoration of of his relationship with us, but also the restoration of humanity with itself to, to restore relationships with each other. And so um, as, we, as we look at that and think about that, if we are to have a new heart for people, we should hope that our new heart for people is one that is the same as God's, that, that we would share a heart for restoration of relationships, just as God hopes for the restoration of relationships with us. And, and so this is, this is where... Uh, the probably more, more of a true reason why I bring up my brother is, so uh, growing up, as much as there was animosity between me and my brother, uh, I had one brother. I only had one. And so if I got in an argument with him and we didn't get along and we didn't want to talk to each other, if I ever wanted to play cricket in the backyard, I had to do something about it. I had to fix that relationship out of necessity because I can't play cricket by myself. And if I wanted to hang out with him or do things, or I wanted a friend during the school holidays when mum wouldn't drive me around, I had to fix that relationship out of necessity. And uh, when it comes to our relationship with God, like we believe that there's only one God. We believe that there's only one God that can save us. Uh, We believe that there's only one God that offers salvation. Uh, And so if we kind of hurt our relationship with God or break our relationship with God, at, there is a necessity to, to restore that relationship because there's no, like, we can't go to another one. And so it is out of, like, there is a necessity for us to continue to work towards restoring our relationship with God. 
But sometimes there's no necessity to restore our relationship with people. When we have a broken relationship with someone, we can run. We can ignore the brokenness. We can, we can walk away. We can find new friends. We can find new churches. We can find uh, new different places that we can kind of hang around in communities that we can surround ourselves with. There, there isn't the same necessity to restore broken relationships. Sometimes there's like, well, there is a necessity to restore a relationship with God, and sometimes there's, there are needs to, like, necessities to restore relationships with people, but often there's not. And often it's really hard to restore those relationships with people. And I mean, like, restoring a relationship with God in many ways is easy. Like, God's a pretty good guy to mediate with. Like, God's a, he's a nice guy. He's forgiving. Uh, he, generally, you're wrong. Um, like, <laughs> just putting it out there. Uh, and, and, so, like, and so that restoration process is pretty easy. But when it comes to restoring a relationship with someone that's hard someone that you don't get along with, someone that you don't want to talk to, uh, that is a difficult process and there's no necessity sometimes and so it's really easy just to walk away and leave it. And so that's what we do. But if we have a new heart for people, if we have the same heart that God has for us, which is the hope to restore relationships with humanity, not just God, then we are called to be restorers. We are in the business of restoration if we are followers of God. Because God is in the business of restoration. And that's a, that's a really hard thing because we all have those people in our lives, right? People that we have just like, nah, it's too hard. I can't restore this relationship. We need to walk away. We need to get away from it. But we are in the business of restoration. We're in the business of restoration. And so thinking about what that looks like, um, it's one of those things where there's no better example than Jesus. There's no better example of what restoration looks like than Jesus. Because as Jesus goes to that cross and dies for our sins, as Jesus reconciles us to him, through being a sacrifice, an atoning sacrifice for our sins, God restores the relationship. God restores the relationship. And so as we think about what does it mean to be in the business of restoration? To, to be in the business of restoration means to be like Jesus. Be in the business of restoration is to be like Jesus. And so there's two, two kind of key things I want to really pull on in that. Um, the first one is that as Jesus is on that cross, as Jesus dies for us on that cross, it is a matter of love. God dies on the cross for us because he loves us deeply. And as Jesus dies on the cross... It is an ultimate act of love. And if we are to be in the restoration business, we need to love people. And one of the, the ways that we can think about that uh, is that uh, this concept that we sometimes talk about is that we are made in the image of God. We, we are image bearers of God. You are a representative of who God is. 
Uh, when I was 12, um, we were staying with some missionaries uh, in Southeast Asia. Um, and out the front of their house, they had this little shrine. And me, uh, being a very dogmatic 12-year-old, uh, wondering why they would have this heretic shrine out the front of their house, um, I said to them, what's that shrine doing out the front of your house? You're a Christian. And they kind of explained to me to, to remove that shrine would be to deface uh, their God, who they were, uh, their religion, uh, because it represents the, the spirits that they worship. It's the place where their spirits would dwell. Like it would be to deface who they are because it represents them. And so you wouldn't dare destroy or hurt that thing or do anything untoward because that represented what they believed, who they were, the gods that they served, and was the place where it was believed that they dwelled. You are a dwelling place for God. You are a representative of God's image. The people outside this building are a representative of God's image. And if we claim to deeply and truly love God, then surely we deeply love God's image and those who represent him. And so we are called to love people, just as Jesus loved people, just as people, Jesus would do anything out of love for his people, we are called to be in the restoration business and love all people. Their actions don't change their status of people being in the image of God. Their, their past, their present, the, the things that they've done don't change the status of who they are. They are forever and always image bearers of God. And as people who love God, we love God's image and we value God's image deeply. Uh, the, second, the second one that I want to touch on as well is, so not only uh, was God's action on that cross uh, an act of love, it was, an, it was an act of justice. When Jesus died on that cross, he justified us. Sometimes when we talk about restoration, uh, one of the, the ways that we can kind of go and the directions that we can go is that we, we forget about the importance of justice actually being carried out. Sometimes uh, when we talk about restoration, we, we kind of have this idea that we have to kind of forget um, the, the wrongs that were done and not do the proper justice process. But as Jesus dies on that cross, justice is important. Jesus justified us in dying on the cross for our sin. And, and so justice needs to take place. In order, we can't restore relationships without justice. Now, here's the hard thing. Revenge isn't justice. See, while justice will restore relationships, revenge will destroy them more. And often when we're hurt and when, when kind of like the culture around you says like, what, how do you respond to the injustice that's happened to you? How do you deal with this broken relationship? Everyone screams revenge. The people aren't interested in justice most of the time. They're actually interested in revenge. You can speak ill of that person because they deserve it, because they've wronged you. You can 
You can say things about them. You can kind of be passive-aggressive to them. Uh, you can kind of be mean to them and, and, and do all these different things that are not right, that are not just, but in fact uh, revenge, hoping that bad things will happen to them uh, more than what they deserve because of what they've done. We want revenge and not justice. The hope for revenge and the act of revenge does not restore relationships. The act of revenge destroys them. And so as Jesus is on that cross, Jesus justifies us. He seeks no revenge. He holds no ill will. He lords nothing over us. He speaks no words behind our back. But rather, he seeks to love us, to achieve justice, so that he can restore relationship. And if our heart, if our new heart for people is God's heart, we are in the restoration business. And so we seek love, we seek justice, we, we flee from the, the, the feeling of need for revenge, and, and as we seek love and justice, we achieve forgiveness. That's what Jesus did on the cross, he forgave us. And in forgiving us, that's what, like, the relationship is restored. The relationship is returned. We get a relationship with God. We once again have a relationship with God because God loved us and he sought justice, not revenge, and sought to restore the relationship he had with us. And in doing so, also sought to restore humanity to each other. And so as we share that heart for God, we want to restore relationships of humanity back together, which includes us and the ones that don't seem necessary. That is what we are called to do, and that is who we are called to be. And as we head into a new season at Lakeside, we want to be restoring people. We want to be people who restore relationships with God, with humanity. We want people to come to know Jesus. That's why we meet in a poorly air-conditioned, poorly heated uh, venue with weird seats that are, that are mostly broken. We can talk about the budget later. Uh, you know, like, but we, we do these things. We have a basketball court. We've got to get things packed up um, you know, before all the other basketballers come in and start bouncing balls around here and our equipment's always breaking because the basketballs hit them and, and all that kind of stuff. That speaker stopped working today. Um, we, like... We have all these different problems that we face because we're in the restoration business and we want people to come to know Jesus. And we also are in the restoration business and so we want relationships to be restored. And so as a church, we want our relationships to be restored. We want our relationships with our community to be restored, and we want to help people to restore relationships with each other because that's the business that we're in, and that's who we are called to be. And it's going to hurt, it's going to be hard, and there's times where it's going to be easier to not do that, but our heart is God's heart, and we are in the restoration business. That is who we are. 
And as we reflect on the love and justice that we receive from God, we, we come into a time of communion. Um, I'll give you some time now. You can make the little noisy kind of rustles um, as you do so. And I want you to hold on to it, so don't get ahead of yourself and eat or drink anything until I say so, because I, I want us to kind of do a little bit of reflecting. As we rustle around, we, we, have, we have this bread. This bread represents the body of Jesus. It represents the, the body of a God who loved us so much that he would come down to earth for us. that he would take on flesh so that we could have a relationship with him, so that we could have a relationship with each other. He took on that flesh so it could be broken for us. When you, when you look at the juice, that represents Jesus' blood. That represents the thing that was poured out for us as an atonement for our sins because we were broken and we needed restoration. Jesus died on that cross for our sins so that we could be restored to him, so that we could have relationship with him and so that we could restore people to him and each other as well, because that is God's heart. As you look down at that, think about what those things represent. Think about the relationship that is restored for you. Think about God's heart to restore him to you. And as you look up and around and see your friends, your family, your church also staring down at this, these are people who are also restored to God. These are people that he loves and cares for. And these people are restored to him just like you. Regardless of what they've gone through, regardless of what they've faced, they're restored to God. And our heart is for us to be restored to him and for us to be restored to each other because that's God's heart and we're in the restoration business. I'm going to read a passage without spilling everything. First Corinthians chapter 11. The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. We're going to eat together as a sign that we are restored to God, but we are restored to each other because that is God's heart. So let's eat together. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. 
Whenever you drink it in remembrance, do it in remembrance of me. Let's drink together. Let's pray. Father, you are a good God. You have restored us through your death on the cross. You've taken away our sin. You have restored us back into relationship with you and your heart is not only for that, but restoration with each other. And so as we head into this new season, let us be a church about restoration. Let us be a church with a heart for you and a heart for the things that you have a heart for. Lord, we confess our sins and our shortfalls. We're sorry for when we don't do restoration well. But help us to see your love and your justice. Help us to see the forgiveness that you have on offer for us. In your name we pray. Amen.